flooding the world with money, with stimulus, with credit, with debt, with banks, all those kinds of things. We keep hearing it all the time. If a central bank does something, there's a flood of money and credit, easing, accommodation, all of those types of things. And if the Chinese do it, God forbid, it's massive, it's huge, it's it's unbelievable. It's supposed to be the salvation to everything that ails any economic system. A burst of central banking leading to a flood of credit, all our troubles are papered over by digital ones and zeros on accounts. What I'm gonna to read to you is pretty typical of uh, the mainstream media classification and description of all of these types of behaviors. This comes from last November, so November of 2022, after the PBOC had announced it was going to cut its RRR rate for the second time last year. This is from Reuters. The central bank has cut the RRR 13 times since 2018, slashing the average rate reserve ratio to about 8% from 15% and pumping 10.8 trillion yuan into the banking system. There it is, pumping 10.8 trillion yuan into the banking system. But if you've been paying attention since 2018, for all that pumping that's been going on, it doesn't seem to have produced much by the way of economic results. These are very impressive statistics, but maybe that's the point. Maybe they're, they're nothing more than made to impress. Because as far as the real economy is concerned, in China as, as well as the rest of the world, it hasn't seen any of this pumping or any of that 10.8 trillion. Not in the way in which we're led to believe it happened. We're led to believe that that 10.8 trillion, that flood of credit into the economy, engineered some massive, robust recovery and economic boom. Reality could not have been farther from the case. Now, China's economy didn't crash, but ever since then, it has been slowing and slowing and slowing and then slowing some more, which has led to these RRR cuts and other measures by central banks around the world, not the other way around. Central bank policies are a response to issues in the real economy, not a solution for those problems. And I know what a lot of people will say, well, that was just COVID. The RR cuts and all of that stimulus in 2019, boy, that would have worked out really well if only the pandemic hadn't come along to, to, to interrupt the robust economic trend that was developing. But this goes way back long before the pandemic, long before the pandemic really bit into the global economy. It's something that Xi Jinping has been talking about out in the open for quite a long period of time. Central bank floods are never floods, including the one that we're hearing about right now. And this is something Stephen Van Meter and I talked about just yesterday, chatting about China balloons and why we should kill the dollar, so to speak. But today we're gonna to get into more detail. What is really going on with this credit impulse that everybody's talking about, this massive flood of credit in China? Well, we're gonna get into the numbers and the details, and we're gonna put it in the right context so that you can understand the narrative as well as why the narrative doesn't work out in economic, financial, and monetary reality. But first, I'm Jeff. This is your Redala University. Thank you very much for joining me. I really do appreciate it. And I also appreciate your Redala University members. If you're interested in what they get, exclusive videos, 
question and answers, content, presentations, classroom videos. I just released one a couple days ago, getting into the history behind why treasury bills are such an important part of the collateral pyramid, money pyramid for that respect. I also have a daily briefing that I put out at Markets Insider Pro, a partnership with a research bundle partnership with Steve Van Meter, Tracy Schuchart, and I do my own daily deep dive analysis at Eurodollar University, where we dive deep into all of these things, including Chinese credit. Because Chinese credit, maybe you don't know, is a very important macro factor for the entire global economy. So what the Chinese are doing has an impact on you and me and everyone else. All the information, eurodollar.university. So we got the total social financing statistics and a partial release for the uh, financial statistics release or fund, whatever the FSR is from the PBOC. Too many, too many initialisms running around here. But either way, we got massive number RMB loans from China that has everybody talking about, okay, here comes the flood. This is 2016 over, all over again. And 2016 stands out in Chinese economic lore because that was the last time the Chinese practiced out in the open the neo-Keynesian aggregate demand playbook. They did a, a massive amount of quote-unquote monetary stimulus lowering interest rates throughout 2015 as well as a flood of liquidity through something called the Medium Term Lending Facility, or MLF. And the fiscal, uh, fiscal government authorities spent a ton in terms of infrastructure financing, which a lot of this flood of credit and stimulus from the PBOC was meant to finance. And it all fizzled out. It didn't really work. The idea was to get China out of its hole which it was falling deep into along with a lot of other emerging markets in 2014 and 2015, and then uh, to unleash this Keynesian flood in 2016 and everything would be back to normal by 2017 and 2018. But instead, we got this temporary burst late 2016 throughout the first half of 2017, which was called globally synchronized growth for a reason, because it was globally synchronized, but it wasn't growth. It was an artificial transitory period um, of reflation, RMB reflation, RMB driven reflation. But by the middle of 2017, it had all started to go apart. It, started, it was clear by then this massive injection had only stimulated some of the more risky, worst parts of the Chinese system, as well as other parts around the world. And Xi Jinping said, that's it. Last time we're going to do this Keynesian textbook stuff because it is ultimately dangerous. We're creating all of this financial debt imbalance for very little economic growth. And if we keep doing that, we risk becoming either Japan in the 1980s heading into the 1990s, which China can't afford because China in China becoming Japan in the 80s into the 90s means that China risks becoming the Soviet Union in the 1990s, which is something that Xi Jinping is terrified about, as he should be. Um, so this, the 19th Party Congress in 2017 said, we're not doing Keynesian anymore. We're now gonna prioritize quality growth over quantity growth, because quality means we don't have a financial sector that gets so far ahead into these asset bubbles, it risks not just 
the financial stability of the country or the economic stability of China and the rest of the world. But most of all, at least most important to the top heavy leadership there, it risks their own position at the top. By 2018, globally synchronized growth became what we call Eurodollar number four, buffeted by these monetary headwinds, which created all sorts of, of financial as well as economic problems. Then the PBOC responded with these targeted RRR cuts, but very little else. Certainly nothing like they had done in 2016. Because in the 19th Party Congress era, that's off the table. And ever since then, ever since 2018, Western economists and Western observers keep anticipating, well, any day now, they're going to go back and it'll be 2016 all over. You'll see. The Chinese are getting it further and further and further into their hole. And one of these days they're going to wake up and say, we need to get out of this hole. We need to go back with this massive round of stimulus. And according to a lot of people, that was last year. But that didn't seem to work out so well anyway either. Because here we are talking about 2023 and China's in even worse shape than it was to begin 2022. But that was zero COVID. That's the, okay, it was zero COVID. This Chinese, they were going to go back into the Keynesian playbook, but then they said, no, we got to fight the pandemic. At least that's the mainstream Western excuse nowadays, that in order to avoid the worst case for the pandemic, they shut down a bunch of places. But now that's over, too. They've got no more zero COVID. We've got no more excuses. And now we've got Keynes and a, a clear runway to take off and put China back onto its robust course, which will then create enough economic activity to pull the, the global economy out of this, what used to be called a growth scare in 2021, is now this global recession that needn't be a global recession if only Xi Jinping would come riding to our global rescue. And then the statistics for January, here we are, reopening, full month of reopened China, going to be really great, plus the accommodation from the government as well as the PBOC. Boy, we're, we're going to get confirmation in January of everything that we've been hoping for. And the data from the TSF, at least what was hollered and shout, shouted throughout the mainstream, appeared to validate those hopes. Total social financing, in particular, new RMB loans into the real economy. According to the PBOC, Chinese officials, RMB loans in January 2023 expanded by 4.93 trillion. That compared to RMB loans expansion, new RMB loans in January 2022 of 4.20 trillion. So an increase, an increase in an increase of 731 billion. So an acceleration, a wild acceleration in the amount of RMB loans introduced into China's economy. So there you go. Here they come. China has flooded the world with credit as everybody hoped for, right? It's even better than that, though, because enterprise loans, so loans to China's corporate sector, were responsible for the vast majority of that increase. Enterprise loans increased by $4.68 trillion in January 23, compared to just $3.36 trillion in January 2022. So Chinese companies are borrowing through the roof in a way we haven't seen maybe in years. So doesn't that validate the credit impulse talk, the, the flood of stimulus that's about to wash over the entire global economy and lead us to the promised land? 
Well, no, because that's really the only statistic that even remotely sounds like what this narrative has spun for us. Even in, in terms of enterprise loans, uh, almost a third of them, one and a half trillion, were, in sh- were short-term loans, complete, just short-term loans. The kind of short-term loans that we've seen European as well as American companies take out all throughout 2022. Not because they're, they're willing to expand their businesses and invest in the productive capacities of those businesses, but because they're concerned about the growing recession in economic activity, as well as the high level of prospects that banks are going to shut them down in terms of credit, which, according to recent data, including SLUCE, seems to be already happening. So if Chinese companies are taking out a lot of short-term loans in a way we haven't seen before, maybe they are like their Western counterparts, simply building up a liquidity cushion in anticipation of more troubling time. But then you start doing the math. If Chinese loans, Chinese company loans, were responsible for almost the entire increase in January, what that meant was other parts of the economy weren't lending or weren't borrowing at all, including households, which I'll get into in a second. But also there's more than just bank lending in terms of any economic, any, any credit structure in any economy. We know this from personal experience in the United States because we have a huge bond market. And so does China. China has a really well-developed bond market. So while Chinese companies were borrowing through the roof from banks, it's because they were increasingly shut out of the bond market. So they were rotating the amount of, or the, uh, the category of borrowing from a heavy exposure or as heavy an exposure to Chinese corporate bonds that they were issuing to more bank lending, which is in this year a little bit more friendly because Xi Jinping has told banks you need to at least keep companies stable, uh, funding stable. So we look at Chinese corporate bond issuance in January 2023 versus January 2022. Net bond issuance or additional bonds issued was just 147 billion RMB in uh, this January compared to 584 billion last January. But that's not all. Government bonds. There were 603 billion new government bonds issued in January 22 compared to just 414 billion in government bond, new government bonds issued in January 2023. So governments are deleveraging too. Undiscounted acceptances, an instrument, an ancient instrument, something I've gone over in member videos too. Um, undiscounted acceptances. Uh, 473 billion in addition of those in 2022, January 2022 only 296 billion in January, 2023. And among those three categories, there was new bonds and acceptances issued of 1.66 trillion in 22, only 859 billion in 23. So in those categories, there was 859 billion more of those in January, 2023, a gain of that much in January, whereas in January 2022, they had gained 1.66 trillion, which means a gain that was 800 billion less. Again, second derivative. And if you remember what I said before, bank loans increase. The increase in bank loans increased by 731 billion, which means the the decrease of the increase in bonds was more than the increase of the increase in loans, which is something that we can see when we look at the total social financing category of aggregate financing to the real economy. 
Aggregate financing to the real economy was plus 6.18 trillion in January 2022, but 5.98 trillion in January of 2023. So less of an increase this January than last January. The flood of credit is starting to fall apart, the whole narrative there. And that doesn't include, or that does include um, foreign currency loans. Foreign currency loans, there was an increase of 103 billion of those in China in January of 2022, but a decline, an absolute decline of 13 billion for a difference of 116 billion. So despite CNY's improvement, foreign currency loans are falling, which I'm going to save that for a future video because there's, there's a bigger story here. But our overall picture, this flood of credit was in total less of a flood than last year. And again, last year did not lead to a Chinese renaissance like many people had promised, which some people have said, well, that's just because of zero COVID. Now that we've erased zero COVID, everything can begin to move forward. But what we see time and time again, is that that's not the case. Despite the hoopla, everything is turning out as if it was just like the last time China reopened in the middle of last year. For example, household loans. That's a big one because household spending accounts for a lot of what the people hope or what Chinese authorities hope will be the rebound or recovery from the pandemic lows or reopening. Or even better in terms of what Western economists are expecting. But in January of 2023, household loans only increased by $257 billion. Again, that kind of sounds like a lot, but in January 2022, it was $843 billion. In January, 2020, uh, January 2021, we're talking about $1.7 trillion. So households are staying out of what is really mortgages, and they're staying out of mortgages because home prices are falling, and therefore they're more concerned about getting spending, sending more of their savings into a losing asset. And as that asset continues to lose, it's going to keep a lid on their spending. And the PBOC, you'd think, given this narrative of trying to flood and restart the economy, would be coming to the rescue here. But the loan prime rate, the five-year loan prime rate benchmark, the PBOC last cut those, the one year and the five-year, back in August. They cut the five-year loan prime rate to 4.3%, which a lot of Chinese mortgages are tied to this benchmark. And the, the five-year loan prime rate began 2022 at 4.65. So throughout last year, as household lending and more, or household borrowing and mortgages fell very sharply, the PBOC has done basically nothing. They've cut the five-year loan, loan prime rate by a full 25 basis points because the Chinese are not flooding the world with credit. What they're only trying to do, their only goal here, is to try to manage and keep stability. They're trying to manage their decline and keep it from, keep any downside risks from being extreme. They see the economy slowing down. They see the economy suffered since the pandemic, which ratcheted economic growth down even more, raised the prospect for financial volatility, to put it kindly, that much more. And authorities are not trying to throw the Keynesian textbook back into the mix. They're just trying to limit the downside, that it doesn't spiral into some level of Japan 1989 disorder and disarray, leading to Russia 1991 dissolution. So the big credit wasn't the big credit. It wasn't that at all. 
And China's authorities aren't really coming running to the rescue, as we've been saying all along. They're just attempting to manage the decline and keep everything as stable as possible while they do, waiting for their long-run fourth industrial revolution with Chinese characteristics from these technologies they haven't even invented yet. So they got a long way to go and a lot of ground to do it. So if we're all hoping that China is going to save us from global recession, it's going to be just like globally synchronized growth. Nothing more than a bumper sticker slogan. I'm Jeff. This is Yerodali University. Thank you very much for joining me. I truly appreciate it, as well as I really, really appreciate all our Eurodollar University member subscribers, as well as our Eurodollar University members. And until next time, take care.